masterminds has reached terminal velocity. Keep your tray in the upright and locked position. Freaking laser beams come out of my eyes. Welcome to ADD Masterminds. I'm Jeff. And I'm John. And with us today we have special guest Tony Vance. Hello. <laughs> um, Tony. I, it's, it's, it's nobody, nobody has forced me to be on this show. I'm here at my own free will. I was about to say Tony is not being held against his will. He is uh, a willing participant in our podcast. So, um, he will maybe possibly bring some balance to the the, the chaos that uh, that we bring to the airwaves. So thank you, Tony, for uh, agreeing to be subjected. To, I mean, to guest on our uh, podcast. Thank you. It is my pleasure to be here to uh, to be on the ground floor of this uh, breaking breaking all barriers. This podcast is. <laughs> Is breaking or tearing up something or something? I forget what somebody said. Somebody said something like that. Okay, like tearing a new one, maybe. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. I'm not sure. I'm no, just, no, probably not. Just shredding <laughs> things up, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just generally is like wrecking stuff. That's just what we do. Yes, as supervillains. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay, so John, why don't you uh, look through the magic bag of topic lists that we're going to hit today and uh, find something for us to talk about. Ooh, here's a shiny one. We had food stories. Food stories was something we were going to talk about. Um, I think, Jeff, you might have had something in mind on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, for sure, if one of the things that you promised you would tell me was what poutine was. Oh, yes, yes. And it's just basically you take French fries, you put cheese curds on top, and then you put gravy over top, and it melts the cheese and it's very, very rich and very tasty. And you love it while you're eating it, and you feel guilty after. It's wonderful. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, go ahead, Tony. Is that kind of like dumplings and gravy for breakfast? I'm like, what up with that? Is it for breakfast? Well, I, when I went uh, Montana, um, they had dumplings and gravy for breakfast. Is that, that's not a thing? We do biscuits and gravy. I don't know what dumplings and gravy oh, is. Oh, I'm sorry. Biscuits and gravy. I mixed it up. Yeah. We're, I'm Southern, so, well, I don't, I, they say I'm Southern, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm uh, well, I am Southern Dixon Line, so it is biscuits and gravy on this end of the country. Well, technically, I'm more Southern than you, Tony, but that's okay. That's correct. That's correct. I'd say Tony sounds more southern, though. I totally agree. <laughs> I sound I'm a, I sound more southern than our Alabama friends. I don't understand that. That's what I don't understand. People tell me that I have a, 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 such a thick accent, southern accent, and you know I don't. I, I'm not sure. It may just be a regional thing. I'm not sure. Like like some foods. Yeah, there's a lot of regional foods uh, down here in South Louisiana, below I-10, and and Tony, for your reference, anything. Like, if you're from deep south Louisiana, 
anything above north of I-10 is up north. Okay? So, right. so like, when we say you're from South Louisiana, we're talking below I-10, like down in the boot, down in the, the, the lower part of the state. And there's tons and tons of cultural foods down here. A lot of seafood, obviously, you know, New Orleans is big seafood capital, lots of seafood here. But uh, the guys that I work with, a lot of them are uh, hunters, fishers, and stuff, and they they come up with some of the craziest stuff. Our church, twice a year, our church does a men's wild game supper. And we always end up staying late, and we talk about crazy wild hunting stories or just, just you know, guy stories, you know. And uh, <laughs> they, we, we've had some really interesting stuff at some of those dinners. Uh, so far, I've had... I want to say eel. I've had turtle, pigeon, hmm. frog legs, um, alligator, and just about venison cooked just about every way you can imagine. Uh, shrimp, crawfish, quail eggs. Um, the, we love eating just weird stuff down here. We love it. And we cook it, slather it with spices, um, tomatoes, and cook it down in a roux and throw it in. I mean, it's just, you know. We eat all kind of stuff down here, so love, love frog legs. Yeah, Have you guys ever, you know, when you're talking to an older person that's hard of hearing, or you watch someone talk to an older person that's hard of hearing, you notice that they just start shouting louder and louder, and they sound more angry. I kind of wonder if when I'm old, it'll be like everyone's yelling at me like they're angry at me. You know what I, I mean? I don't know what just happened. Where did we go? <laughs> I'm gonna have to put my seatbelt on. What? <laughs> Well, it does kind of segue because you were having a little bit of technical uh, difficulties hearing me. And I was just thinking about how like old people, when you're trying to talk to them and it's like, how's your day? And they're like, what? How was your day? What? How was your day? And all they hear is, how was your day? And so they must think everyone's angry at them, you know? That's probably why old people are so grumpy. Have you ever seen the movie Facing the Giants? <laughs> Tony, I've, I'm pretty sure you've seen it, right? So you know that I've scene, the scene where they're in the they're in the coach's office, and and he keeps saying, <laughs> and they keep like misquoting what he said. And he's like, no, no, that's not what I said. And that's like my favorite part of that whole movie. Yep, yep, yep. It, that, it, I, I, old old people are fun. Old people are fun uh, for lots of reasons. Uh, not the <laughs> le not the least of which is being able to say stuff while you're standing beside of them and they don't hear you gonna act like i'm crazy i don't have to act it's okay <laughs> <laughs> that could be fun <laughs> but i mean the thing too is you can get away with like anything right like i i remember when i lived up north like even further I live now and um there was known to like hit people in the butt with his cane and i was like thinking that like you can get away with it he's a crazy old man you know John, I'm just John. I'm wondering if if your whole goals in life need to be reevaluated. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Okay, so back to the food stories. So, give me a food story, John. A food story. Wow. Huh. That is hard to do off the top of my head. I know Tony's got some food I got stories. Like nothing. I'm drawing a blank. I can tell Anybody a good 
I've got a good food story. My wife fixed a dish for a, a, a pastor friend of ours one time, and and he asked for a second helping. And as he as he's eating this second helping, he looks at his wife and he says, "Did you taste something funny in this?" As my wife starts to go through the ingredients, one of the ingredients was mushrooms, and it seems as if he was alert allergic to mushrooms. And then just in a few moments, his wife said, "That's all right. We prayed over it. Go on." So. <laughs> and he, he was okay yeah he, he was okay so interesting like even you know the whole praying over it thing eh? um you ever like have you ever met people who like whose vision has been healed you know and it's like my vision's been healed and it's like you know you kind of see a little bit of a turn in their eye and it's like um i think you have a turn in your eye. you don't want to say it though because like they have faith that they were healed right and it's just kind of one of those weird situations i was actually in a church service once where somebody who had had a, some kind of eye condition was actually healed right during the church service and we weren't uh-huh. praying we weren't praying for that but it yeah. happened that's awesome it was cool yeah and I, I guess part of it, you know, when someone's healed, you don't want to put them into the realm of doubt, doubt yourself, right? But I mean, if something's obviously not healed, should you, if it was something like potentially dangerous? Well, I've always used the argument that everybody that Jesus healed always ended up dying. So it's it's always temporary. So, you know, don't. Oh, I like well, I, I mean, ever since then, I have always prayed over every single food I eat with the faith believing that it will be okay. So, <laughs> And if not, you'll be with Jesus either way. That's right. I'm a winner either way, as the Southern Gospel song claims. So why do we pray over our food? Like, is there like a scripture that that's tied to? Well, yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that uh I think that uh, well, I think there is. <laughs> you, think, you think so? Give me in the middle of something. Yes. We're I think there's two purposes. We're praying over it that it don't kill us and yes. then second, we're praying over it to thank the Lord for it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and we should be thankful for everything and it's Absolutely. like Yeah. So it's part of that that um posture of thankfulness, right? I think we'd make too big a deal of of the grace. I've got I've got a buddy of mine who, when we were out at a restaurant, and you say, "Pray over the food," he says, "Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and eat." I mean, he just <laughs> yeah. that's it's that simple. So, yeah. I mean, really and really, we don't need to make a big deal about it, but we do need to be thankful. So, I mean, I I try to. When I was in college, one of my best friends, uh, his name's David. We would go to the cafeteria, me and him, and a whole bunch of our buddies from the the Baptist uh, collegiate ministries there. We would sit down at the table, and and after a couple of times, somebody would say grace, and they would go on, and they'd say, you know, they'd be praying for whatever. So David got in the habit. We'd sit down at, at lunch or dinner or whatever, and he'd say, all right, mealtime is not the time to get your life right with Jesus. Just pray for the food. Let's eat. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You, you know what I always thought was the worst, though, was like when you go to have a meal together, and um, and – Everybody argues over whose turn it is to pray. It's like, no, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. And it's like, no, you talk to God. I talked to God last time. <laughs> you don't do the nose game? Bad attitude. Like, you know, you know the nose game, right? <laughs> How does that work? Uh, everybody sits down at the table and, when, mm-hmm. you know, with their food. And as soon yeah. as soon as everybody sits down, you put your finger on your nose. 
and the last person to do it has to pray. Yeah. See, what up with that? Like, <laughs> isn't is that like? I mean? Is that punishing somebody to pray? What's the wait a yeah. minute? Yeah. It's like, haha. That's like musical I mean, we chairs. We should be like the Flounder Flanders household, right? It's like, uh, no Bible study for you tonight. Yeah, no, I don't think it was considered a mean thing. It was just kind of like a, like, you know, just to see who was taking the longest to get to the table was uh, usually the one who had ended up praying because everybody else was waiting for them. Yeah, it's it's all in good fun, I'm sure. It was. But it I, was. I just always, you know, sometimes I just read into things more than I should maybe. Either that or everybody else doesn't read into stuff that they should. Look, when you're in a college cafeteria full of hungry guys, you do not want to Jesus juke them, all right? They're hungry. Just... Just pray for the, just pray and get it over with. Amen. <laughs> so I wonder if Andy Stanley prays before every meal. You think he's thankful? I don't know. You know what? I was gonna listen to Andy Stanley because I knew we were gonna talk about it, and I never did. So what I want to do is I'm gonna form an opinion about Andy Stanley based on what you and Tony say. So based on Jeff and Tony, I'm going to form an opinion on Andy Stanley. Okay, go. Tony, I'm going to let you go first. Andy Stanley is the son of Charles Stanley. I love Charles. Yep. So there you go. Okay. Very simple. Okay, so No, there there is some issue there is some issues with what he said. I I think that there's some underlying problems with the the, the main thing is is that there's a cookie cutter for anything. I don't know why anybody thinks that any, you know, one size fits all. There's just, that to me is the, the, the thing that seemed to jump out at me as it, as if one type of church, whatever that may be, whether it be the theological bent or the size or whatever fits everybody perfectly. That to me would, would be the one thing that I would, I mean, I don't think that we need to jump on Andy. He, you know, he's just a guy who's, you know, said stupid stuff. I've said, <laughs> I've said stupid, stupid stuff in my day. So, amen. I'm well, with you there, man. Have. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as what what I've listened to, and I've started listening to a lot of Andy Stanley stuff in the last year or two, and a lot of his stuff that I listen to is not Bible study. He does a lot of messages about. Um, uh, leadership stuff, financial stuff. Uh, he does. I did listen to a series on him called "Starting Over," which he used biblical principles, but it wasn't specifically a Bible study. It was about how to, like, if something major happens in your life, how to get past that, move on. You know, um, how to how to keep from make, repeating your mistakes. Um, right. things like that. And it was a good series. It was actually very good, very well done. Um, but more so, sorry, no. life coaching, right? Yeah, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's very much sorry. like, <laughs> it's very much like life coaching and which yeah. he's very good at. The man is very smart. He's very studied. He knows the word. He is, um, he, uh, you know, I mean, basically he, he he's a good speaker. And he has very relevant topics, and um, he brings them about in a way that's very fun to watch, very fun to listen to. Um, it's very easygoing, non-presumptuous, but he is not his dad. He's not Charles Stanley. Um, he's <laughs> very fun, like 
very good with scripture, right? Charles Stanley is very fundamental, yeah. very, very uh, much uh, a Bible scholar and centers his speaking and preaching around pouring the word into people's lives. Now, right. I understand that Andy, Andy Stanley is pouring the principles of scripture into people's lives in ways that they can use. But one of the things that really kind of caught me off guard with some of his messages, most of his messages, is he'll be talking about something about your past or whatever, and he'll say, well, uh, I'm a Christian, so I believe this, but mm-hmm. you believe, you know, whatever you believe is, that, that's fine, but I believe yeah. I believe this. And yeah. And the first time I heard him do it, I was like, well, okay, maybe he's speaking at like a secular conference or something. But then the next series that I listened to, he did it again. And I was like, hmm. why does he keep saying that? You know, is, uh, where is he? Is that like, like, is that considered like seeker sensitive? That, that's exactly you know, what like, it is. Is that the thing? That's exactly what it is. Um, yeah. You know, and then there's a lot of people that really don't like that. Um, they yeah. they feel, now, I, I granted, I, I'm not really experienced a lot of it either way um I, i'm i'm okay with saddleback i i think rick warren and those guys are you know doing something right um but at the same time a lot of people have issues with seeker friendly services and things like that because they feel it is watering down the message of the gospel in order to get more people to listen mm. and i can see their point but also the flip side of that is if you get more people to listen, then you have a better opportunity to preach the gospel. Right. So if you if know, you do seeker service and you follow it up with gospel presentation, I don't see a problem with it. Well, this is good. And, you know, I've, both of you, very balanced approach to this, you know. I And that's something, because it's something that's been irking me. <laughs> I hear a lot of people bashing other people's ministries. Ugh. And I'm like, I just think that's something we got to be super careful with, you know. Like, to be able to say, you know, that it's like, he's got good principles. I just don't feel like he's always preaching the word. And I feel like he's being a little too wishy-washy in this area. I'm like, that's totally fair. But when we start writing people off, you know, like it's just it's crazy. Some of the things I hear people say about other people's ministries. Yeah, that's really, really. I had a I had a I had a campaign there for a while against discernment ministries that I had been a victim of a discernment ministry that. uh, And and what I define as discernment ministries is these guys who think they know the perfect um, way to follow God. Hmm. And uh, right now, uh, if if you guys have not seen the Babylon Bee stuff on Facebook, oh, it's hilarious! Oh, oh my word! It's the funniest stuff out there. It's it's church satire, done exactly perfect. And they've got the one where the guy is he's the only person in America doing it right. And he there's a line in there about uh, something about being Gentiles and. Uh, Worse than Gentiles, and they are Gentiles. So, uh, <laughs> just just great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, it's really funny. One of the stories that um uh, that the directly tied into that is when I first got saved when I was a, a, a new believer in college. I got saved when I was twenty one. Tony, um, when we were listening to you guys, remember the band Jars of Clay? Uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, love their love their stuff. 
Um, they were really hot back in 1995, 96, whenever that was. And they were they were getting airplay on the Christian radio. Everybody had their CDs. They were listening to it. They were talking it up. Everybody was, you know. And they did a tour, and they played at... Uh, they played at the House of Blues. They played at the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, they played at several places. Um, and there were Christians that I knew who were blasting them for playing in secular clubs mm-hmm. and, and, and places for concerts. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and at first, because I was a new Christian and I was very legalistic about it because I was coming out of a lot of really heavy stuff, a lot of lot right. of baggage. I, I I swung the other way. I went to the extreme of, oh well, you know, it's gotta be all Jesus or it's not it's not good. You know, it's if they don't yeah. say Jesus in every song, there's this whole C D and they only say the they only say the name Jesus twice in this whole C D and that's just not I can remember um I can remember listening to a sixpence none the richer C D and going, Man, there's no Jesus in this And of course now looking back on that I realize how dumb I was, you know <laughs> And how how judgmental yeah. I was, and looking at it, and I'm going, well, you know what? I, I don't have the right to tell Jars of Clay where God told them to bring their music. I, I, I don't know. You know, I didn't I didn't tell them to do that. If God told them to do that, that's between them and God. As long as they are not yeah. preaching something that is contrary to the Word, yeah. Then how they get to do that is between them and God. And I may not like it. It may not be the way that I would do it. Um, like a, a really uh, a real soft secret service, I probably wouldn't do that. But on right. the other hand, I can see where there is a need for that kind of thing, and yeah. and it, it you know it took a while for me to, to see that. Lecrae Lecrae did a, a commencement speech at uh, Liberty University back a few years ago and spoke, I think, to um, this in a way that was very powerful. Um, in the idea of, of the difference between sacred sacred and secular, that that's mm-hmm. a false, that's a false, um, you know, there is there's no such thing. And he used the illustration that he wore a skull on his shirt one day, and one of the old heads in the church said, oh, my gosh, you've got that skull on your shirt. You know, that's that's of the devil. And he said, you know, I've got a skull on my head, too, you know. And uh, <laughs> he said, I'm not sure. We, 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 we've automatically, and, it, and Jeff really brings out a powerful things that I've had to deal with in my own life in some of these Christian artists or artists in general who uh, we have put onto them some kind of, um, you know, classification that maybe they never intended to have. Yeah. They're out, they're out there doing their art, and, and we classified them as Christian or whatever the you know whatever the case may be and 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 i think all three of us are pretty uh sick of the ccm genre yeah um you know it's it's pretty sad now it's really it's played there are some bright spots there here and there but not much uh but um you know there is no such thing as sacred and secular god created everything that that's that's what we ought to realize and and you know see and and that he can use, he can use really bad preachers and really bad singers. Amen. But he can use some really good ones too. You know. Right. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting though, because like you know, I I was listening to the Theology and Life podcast. I'm not sure I don't, who is who does that one. Does anybody? Know? Todd Todd Troush. Okay, there we go. What he said, and <laughs> so this is like when the gospel friends say John Howie. I'm like they they're like they don't know who I am. But um, <laughs> so you're you're friends with him, Tony? You know this guy? Well, a little bit, a little bit. Okay. Um. Anyways. What they said is, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. You know, that was a scripture that they quoted. It just, it kind of, it hit me. When he was, they were talking about like sexual content in film. And he's like, okay, so when they do violent content in film, it's all simulated, right? He tries to hit the guy in the face, you know, pretends to hit the guy in the face, but he doesn't really hit him or whatever, right? Or when they kill somebody, obviously they don't really kill him. However... When it comes to sexual content, you've got somebody who's either someone's daughter or someone's wife, and she's literally kissing that man, or they're touching each other, or they're doing things together, right, that they should not do. Like, we're basically witnessing adultery when we watch sex scenes, and it just, I never thought of that before too much, you know? Like, I knew what effect it had on me and why I shouldn't watch it, but just the fact that we're participating in that. You know, it doesn't have to be like hardcore porn. It can be just a regular movie where there's a love scene. And it's like those people are committing adultery at whatever level it is. Yeah, we become very, very desensitized to a lot of that. And for people that were raised in very strict households, um, when they finally come of age and they can watch what they want and do what they want, they tend to really just kind of go off the deep end and try and experience all the cool stuff that they missed when they were growing up. And those of us who yeah. grew up in it in secular homes, because I, I wasn't raised in church, um, we, we grew up watching that stuff. So I'm just like, eh, whatever, you know, that, I mean, I'm not really for it. I'm not against it. It just, that's just, you know, that's whatever, whatever. So I, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say about that. <laughs> I I try not I try not to be too judgmental um uh, about and the Deadpool movie of course has been the real talk of the Christian circles right mm -hmm. and uh, you know where should where should Christians come out now I've chosen not to go see it uh, yeah. and that that it was a personal decision not yes. based not based upon anybody else's Christian life it was on mine right and uh you know I was I was really wanting to go see it, but I chose not to once I once I got a, the, enough information that I think to make an informed decision, so to speak. Yeah, but but I, I I would not want to put that standard on somebody else. Yeah, that's fair. Right, and totally I fell fair. in the same boat. I, I mean, I I was tempted to go see it, and I was like, you know, I just no, just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like for me, I was just like, you know, reading about it and I'm just like how they worked so hard to make it, you know, as crude as possible. I'm like, do I need to see that? <laughs> it's like right. not at all, really. And I'm like, I'm cool with not seeing it. I mean, so, let's be uh, honest here. This is entertainment we're talking about, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. I yeah, you, in other words, not life, not life or death. Is that what you're claiming, Jeff? Well, right. I mean, it's it's entertainment. It's not like we have to go see it. You know, 
Nobody says exactly. you have to. I mean, you're not going to walk around with a big a, a tattoo on your forehead. Didn't go see Deadpool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for shame. Wear a sign. It's like your shame. Yeah, sandwich board, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> have, have you guys watched Making a Murderer? No. Tony? It's, it's, it's on my to-do list. Okay. Well, to be fair, I have I have read a lot of books about uh, serial killers because I find them fascinating, <laughs> but I haven't well, seen I, the I TV show. I just think what's interesting about this, because, you know, it's like one of those situations where it's like, did the person really do it? And it's almost like, have you seen the movie um, Harrison Ford, The Fugitive, right? And there's yeah. that point where he's about to jump off the waterfall. And he turns to the policeman and says, I'm innocent. And what does the policeman say? I don't care. And I'm like, it's just interesting how once you've decided someone's guilty, or once you've been told, you know, once you've got that confirmation bias, and it's like, I really want someone to pay for this crime. It doesn't matter if they're guilty or not. You've got your scapegoat. Yep. You're going to go get them, and you're going to make them pay, you know? Yeah. And I just like, are we are we guilty of that at times? Oh, you know, yeah. Are we actually, you know, when we watch these shows and we're like, what a gross injustice. How could they do this? And it's like, am, are there areas in my life where I'm actually doing this, where I am so upset over something that I need someone to pay? And so I'm taking all my rage and directing it towards that person or that situation when the issue really is not the issue, right? One of the one of the greatest comedians of all time spoke on this. Uh, he said, uh, "You are trying to pull out a speck out of your friend's eye, and you've got a big old log in your yes. eye." Yes, I think is one of the most absurd and beautiful yeah. statements ever made, and really speaks to great truth for those out there that don't know who that great comedian was. It was uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said things purposely to in the most absurd ways to make his point that one may be one of my favorites uh, um, because i can see how that is so true in all of our lives we look at others and see so much that they've done yet we're we're, we're so um, neglectful of looking at ourselves. Yep. yeah man i don't think i've ever heard anybody uh describe jesus as a comedian before i love it that's a first well, I mean, if you if you would have been standing there, would you not have laughed when he said to the guy, "Listen, you're trying to pull this speck out of your yeah. buddy's eye." You know, putting it in language today that we could understand. Somebody called, I think it was Nick Jenkins called it the EATV version of the Bible, uh, which which I do not recommend to anybody. But uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's uh, you know, I I can just see him, and if you would have been standing there, you would have seen the absurdity of that. We miss that yeah. a lot of times in seeing it in the black and white. But I can just imagine that you can almost imagine Jesus even doing the hand motions as he's doing it. You know, pulling out yeah. the little the little speck out of your friend's eye while you got the big log, you know, sticking out of your eye. So I think it's I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. And then all you of his I mean? disciples are going, "Ooh, burn!" <laughs> oh, <snap>. absolutely. <laughs> Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and I heard um, it was like a focus on the family uh, broadcast, and they applied that to the marital relationship. And so when you've got that heated debate between husband and wife, 
You both have planks in your eye right now. It's not a good time to figure things out. You need to cool down and come back with a cooler head so you can see clearly. You've got that plank out of your eye. Now you can deal with the issue. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Good advice, John. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, focus on the family. That might come um, in handy. <laughs> there's a plug right there. Um, is something else I've been thinking about. Brand identity. Now, I, I'm a person who, like, you know, I have some Apple products. Um, I feel like I was forced to as a musician. That may be just my buddy Jason Schopfer's fault. but Probably. Because, I mean, Jeff's a very good musician. He doesn't use Apple products. But I find that often when we identify ourselves with a brand, we're now forced to defend everything that brand ever does. You know? Mm. So... Now they come out with this uh, tablet that has a pen for it. And that pen is $100. And it's like, oh, I have to defend that because I'm the Apple guy. And I'm like, I refuse to be the Apple guy. I refuse to be a brand guy. And I think the same thing applies to um, our denominations or our political affiliations or even Christianity in general. Um, We feel like we always have to defend our own. And I'm like, I don't think that's what Jesus intended. Tell you what, man, you could apply that to so many areas of life. And we see that, uh, just as an example, when we talk about music stuff, there are um, there are guys who will swear by a certain brand of music instrument or effect or amplifier yep. or whatever. And the guys who have been doing this a long time, and uh, which I... I, I try and think of myself as one of those kind of guys because I've been doing music ministry for 20-something years. Um, yeah. We, we kind of look at that and we go, you know, I'll use whatever works. Uh, I'm a brand guy in so much as I have a preference if I had to choose, but I'll use whatever I whatever works. And it goes for computers, goes for music instruments, goes for um, whatever works in a worship service, you know. And yeah. people are like, well, we're Baptist. We don't have... Uh, backdrop lighting and we don't dim the lights and we don't you know because we're and i'm like dude do whatever works you yeah know? like who cares right if, if, <laughs> if you if, right if if you if you have if the only church musicians you have are an organist and somebody that can play the flutophone you know what use what you got you know rock what you got rock what you got right yes. and so many people get caught up in brand stuff and they get yeah they they, they become what's a what's a flutophone uh, like the little plastic recorder thingies that they oh I can play one of those yeah there you go see Tony <laughs> you you could be a worship leader just like with that you don't even know it <laughs> Tony Tony you are a singer though aren't you I I have sung in a few uh, gospel groups over the years uh, some just pl- uh, traveling I traveled over three states at one time uh, really? really yeah I was a th- very I had cool. a tri-state ministry there at one time. Played some, played some guitar, played, uh, played nice. some bass, played, uh, uh, sang in a, uh, we called it the, uh, Southern gospel with a bluegrass flavor, um, which is pretty popular, pretty popular in our area. So I would imagine so. Uh, yeah. I yeah. love bluegrass. I just think it's more authentic than like pop country. It's the American, it's the only American music. I'm, I'm here mm. to tell you. It is it. That's. Everything else is an amalgamation of everything else. Bluegrass is America. Well, um, if you were really nitpicky, you could trace the roots of that back to, you know, Europe. But, I mean, I, I'll, I'll No, Bill that. Monroe. No, Bill Monroe. No, Bill Monroe. That's where it started. 
Yeah. Bill Monroe started but, bluegrass. Well, he got that from something else too. It's it, everything's an amalgamation of something. It is. If you go back far enough, but yeah. no, I'll, I'll buy that. That's, well, like that's the ba- like the like the banjo. The banjo is a is a uh, actually come from an African in- instrument, and it metamorphosed. And yes, I I jokingly say bluegrass is the great American music. It, it, that's the great thing about America is that we have been able to take all of this stuff and there's no no stones thrown at john here but we (laughs) we take so many things together and we create something out of it uh the melting pot yeah absolutely and we've done that we're we're the mosaic (laughs) we we kind of we like the fact that people have different cultures and we're like hey you know no no bring it it's okay you know and it's just it's a difference in philosophy right and i i think both are awesome (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. Um, there's, you know, who else is a really good bluegrass singer and plays the banjo? Steve Martin. Who? Yes. Yes. I you were gonna say Jesus. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Steve Martin is actually. I love Steve Martin. He's, he's an funny. amazing singer, and uh, he actually did a tour with a bluegrass band and won yeah. a Grammy. Yes, That's he did. Awesome. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, he's very. He plays it more like almost like the New Orleans style. I'll be honest with you, though, a little less than. But but he's but he's legit. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a little bit more what I call claw hammer, if, uh, for those banjo aficionados out there. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I'm gonna try something out here. We'll see if this actually works. But I I think, I think that bluegrass is to country, what punk music is to rock. Is that right? probably it's it's close i think your your original rock and roll guys like uh elvis and the beatles uh came first before punk obviously but um country was more of a of a rockification of bluegrass hmm and okay. and i think punk is kind of after rock became popular punk was kind of like a back to the back to the roots kind of thing i I don't know we could we could do some serious discussions about music genealogy Uh, well now i think bluegrass is interesting because i think there's been many artists who have tried to modernize it but it always seems like it keeps going back to its roots so i think maybe the analogy doesn't work because bluegrass in its in its no matter what type of artist if it's a just a local bunch or it's a prominent bunch, there seems to be a bluegrass sound that has carried for years and years. You can't say that about country. You can't say that about pop. Yeah. Um, you, Blues. Can't, you can't say that about a lot of genres. Right. I guess there's just something about the energy that I'm thinking of, though, because it's like punk kind of has this intense energy. You know, it takes rock and then just kind of adds a little bit of an intense energy, you know, that's fun. And I feel like bluegrass kind of does the same thing with country where it's like, okay, this is country, but it's more fun. And it's got a little more, little more fun. You know, it's like when they get going with like the banjo and it's like fast, it's like, oh my goodness, this is blowing my mind. I think one of the cool things I like about bluegrass, and I'm not a huge, huge country fan, but I like bluegrass some, um, mm-hmm. is the when they use their traditional instruments, hammer dulcimers stuff like that uh, yes that's really it's just got a really unique kind of open sound to it that you just don't get from a lot of modern instruments um you're, yes i'm sure you are familiar with third day's first album right tony yes i am and they used hammer dulcimer on uh 
Uh, we praise thee, O Lord, for the love that you give. They used, um, I want to say, I can't remember who actually played it, uh, but it was another famous Christian uh, artist that played the hammer dulcimer on that song. One of the greatest, one of the greatest Christian artists of all time, of all time, bar none, one of the greatest of all time. Okay, now you've just Jesus? set big expectations the, here, Tony. <laughs> Rich, Rich Mullins, Rich Mullins. <laughs> I was thinking Rich Mullins, but I couldn't remember who it was off the top of Rich, my head. Rich Mullins was the dul was a dulcimer was fell in love with the dulcimer, uh, hammer dulcimer, and actually became a really good. Hammer. There's actually a uh, Jesus Culture album too that starts up with the hammer dulcimer. Oh, really? Um, yeah, um, it's their second last one. It's like sing out the song, sing out, and um, it was funny because that album came out. And the day that that came out, my buddy Jason, who's got like this massive like keyboard sounds group, right? And he he's a sound designer and they download patches to their um, computers so that their keys can sound just like the band, right? Yeah. And he immediately contacts Ian McIntosh, Ian McIntosh, who's the keyboard player for Jesus Culture and says, hey, what sound did you guys use for the beginning of that song? And then it came out. Actually, it was a hammer dulcimer. <laughs> it's like... Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, you know what I was thinking? Okay, I, I got a song idea. It was funny. I was listening to somebody who was um, talking about their mega church. And their mega church had like this really cool buzzword that they were using. I'm not going to say what the buzzword was, but it was just a saying that they always used their church. And it struck me. I'm like, man, that person's drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'm like... I drank the Kool-Aid and it was delicious. I'm like, ooh, that'd be a cool song idea. And I thought, that's something I'm going to say. Whenever I go to a conference and I come back and I am just buzzing with what I learned, people would be like, how was it? I drank the Kool-Aid and it was delicious. <laughs> no regrets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go all the way. I drank the Kool-Aid and it didn't kill me. <laughs> all right. Now, here's something that I'm going to I'm gonna do a throwback for you here, Tony. This is this is a throwback to your first podcast. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, just, just to prove that I listened to it. <laughs> um, and you and your brother were talking about who was better with the Beatles or Rush. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I heard that one. Yeah, yep. yeah. And, okay, so I'm going to throw in my hat here. I love the Beatles. But I'm a big Rush fan too, so I'm not sure I could decide one way or the other. So I wanted to ask John. Okay, John, who who do you think was the better band? Was it the Beatles or Rush? I know you're going to say Rush because you're Canadian, eh? But um, try and be. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Just listening, and I gotta listen to more Rush. But um, you know, like you hear like the technical part of it, and how Rush was like better technically. They were doing something way more complicated. Yep. But the Beatles just had this way of like directing the music culture. So I would have to give the Beatles the edge just because of just the big impact that they were able to make and how they revolutionized music. I think I, John, John, you're a genius. As, as much as I love Rush, and don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Rush fan. I love their music. Um, listened to them for years and years and years. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with the Beatles too, simply for the fact that. Uh, their music really transcends uh, genres. Everybody listens, has a favorite Beatles song, just about. 
Um, my my mom yeah. listens to the Beatles. My my wife listens to the Beatles. My you know everybody I know likes a Beatles song, and no, I can't say that about Rush. You know, as much as I love their stuff, I know people that like Andy sitting here waving his hands at me, going, "Who's Rush? He doesn't even know who they are." Um, <laughs> you know, sadly, sadly, but Does he know who the Beatles are. He he kind of knows who they are, but I'm gonna fix that <laughs> shortly. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Well, as I as I tried to explain to my brother, and I think you probably picked up pretty quick that there's probably not a bigger Rush fan than my brother, but <laughs> there, there's no there's no doubt that those three guys may be as talented as any three guys that ever stepped on a stage. There's no doubt about that. You could take any one of those guys, and they are as good as anybody that's ever picked up one of those instruments. True. And of course, Getty Lee right picks yeah, you know, Getty Lee picking up two or three at a time, but. We'll not yeah. go there, but uh, you know what's interesting about their story too, though, is like how they started out and how they is it George Martin? George Martin was their producer, and you know what I found so interesting? It was the Charles Adler show, and they were talking about George Martin, and um, they said that like, you know, musicians, you can find someone who can sing, you can find someone who can play guitar, you can find someone who can you know do all these things. But a producer is just born able to do it because they have to they hear the song and then they in their head can picture what the song's going to sound like with all the instruments and what the drums should sound like and all that. And I was like, I just I thought that was amazing. Like just to think of that, like George Martin was the guy that I think it was yesterday, the song yesterday, which started out as ham and eggs. I think it was supposed to be the words. I don't know if it was him or Paul that fixed it, but he suggested that they need to add strings to this song. And Paul is like, what? It's not a classical song. Why would you add strings? And that was the first time rock and roll had strings added to it. And, and I'm like, Nothing has wow. been the same since, right? I love yeah. strings in rock and roll. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. They actually, they they did transcend uh, music. I mean, it's they changed it forever. I mean, it literally was changed forever because of the Beatles. I mean, I don't know why anybody else would say anything different. I mean, it's just obviously you show your ignorance if you don't believe that or know that. We've got to talk to your brother now. I really l enjoyed your brother on the podcast, on your podcast. I enjoyed your dad on your podcast. Your dad is you know, shared a lot of wisdom and um, something that really hit me. I don't know if you heard this one, Jeff, but it's like, he said that, you know, sometimes, sometimes you're praying for God to move a mountain and God won't move that mountain because there's people on the other side. And if he moves that mountain, he'll crush them. I think he worded it way better than I did, hmm. but I was just like, that's yeah, so he, brilliant. Yeah. He said it might kill two or three on the other side if he moves your mountain. So he's got to, got to work out on the other side too. And yeah. you know, there is a lot of, a lot of wisdom. Well, dad's been through a lot of different things like, you know, like everybody, yeah. of course, but, but, uh, yeah. he's unique. He's unique. Yes. Yeah. It's one of those walk with a limp people. Hey, <laughs> Hey, yes. Well, he went through, he went through, I, I like to say it this way. He went through the sexual revolution, the Vietnam war, and me and my brother growing up. So, you know, what else could it be? 
yeah. just progressively got worse. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I've still got a pretty good relationship with my dad. Thank um, God he's still with me. Um, I, I, my dad is 69 or he's going to be 70 this year, I think. My dad is too. Uh, well, uh, he actually, he might be past that. I don't remember. He was born in 46. So yeah, he's going to be 70 this year. My dad was born in 46 too. He'll be 70 this year. Fantastic. Yeah, our dads are the same age, Tony. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. But uh, my dad was around during the Nam War. He actually was a merchant marine in Vietnam during the war, not in service. Wow. Oh, wow. And he's struggled a lot in his life, and uh, he's gone through a lot, been through a whole bunch of of difficulties and things. And just the fact that I can still uh, just hug his neck and say, you know, Dad, I love you, even though you, you you, you didn't get to do all the things you wanted to do with us when we were young you know um we're we're doing things now like he's helping me rebuild the rambler and things like that and and i'm getting to spend time with him that i never got to do when i was younger and um you know and that's that's i I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your dad john um hopefully it's 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 good but um that i love my dad that's cool but you know i travel a lot for work and one of the things I totally appreciate is if I'm in near where they live, I um, will take the day off and just spend the whole day hanging out with my parents and talking. And it's like something none of my other siblings get to do. And it's something where, you know, like if I brought my family with me, it would be different, right? Sure. But it's like, so my dad says to me, so, so John, when are you, when are you coming up our way again? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like he really appreciates me hanging out with him, you know? And I, my dad's always been about quality time together. He grew up, you know, in a home where his dad was always in the bar, you know, and, cool. and, and kind of neglected. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for him, you know, it was like, no, we're going to go fishing. We're going to do this. Like, and to the point, like he just, he always wanted to do stuff together. And that's something, you know, I really value time i spend with my children too which i've got i've got a great story dad story and john will like this because my dad i think john really appreciated my dad when he was on the podcast but yes we went we went my dad almost i i know almost nothing about vietnam from my dad um you know on the podcast when i had him on i had him talk a little bit that's the most i've ever heard him talk about it yeah ever so, anyways, we go see Rambo when it first came out. Everybody remembers Rambo. Mm-hmm. And, of course, for those of you that don't know, that's the, the Vietnam guy comes back home and treated badly, blah, blah, blah. So, after the movie, I'm walking out with Dad. My dad served in Vietnam with some of the special forces and some other things. And I look at my dad and I said, uh, Dad, I said, you know, how realistic was that? And he said, well, it was pretty realistic. And I said, well, could you have done any of those things? He looked at me and said, yeah, I could have done all of them. I was like, oh, cool. My dad could beat, my dad could beat up anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes. And I know, like, my dad always seemed superhuman to me, you know? Like, you know, there were kids that would pick on him, and he broke the kid's collarbone. Like, there were just these epic, you know, <laughs> stories. And so it's crazy to me like just how manly my dad is and then you grow up thinking like oh how can i be a man like my dad and i remember talking to my kid my my oldest and i said to him yeah no my dad you know is like you know a man should have a pickup truck and my son says to me dad i think you're really manly i'm like really (laughs) 
So, you know, it's just, it's funny. Like it's, it's a tough act to follow sometimes, you know, when you have a dad that you're like, Oh, I really look up to him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got to go and put my kids to bed. Yeah. Well, before we go, um, actually my son, Andy has been sitting here listening in the whole time. And, yeah. uh, he, he wants to say, since we were talking about dads, he, he asked if he could, uh, uh say a few words. Hey guys, my hey. name is Andrew. I'm glad Hi. to be on this because this would be my first podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> awesome. And hopefully I'll get to do some more stuff with you guys later on. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> it starts somewheres. Yep, got to ignite the fire somewheres. Okay, guys, so we'll wrap it up. But, hey, look, Tony, thanks again for, for stopping in and, and chit-chatting with us. Um I know it's it's uh, we promised you a little bit of a train wreck, but I don't think anybody got hurt. Um, no, <laughs> it's uh, you know part of part of what we wanted to do with this was to be able to just sit down and like if you were just having a conversation on on a couch with some of your buds, you know, and just talking about things. That's kind of the feel we were going for. And uh, Tony, we you are one of the few guys in the hall that I I could say that. I really wish I could uh, spend an afternoon and just hang out with you and your crew. And um, and I'm sure I, I, if I had the opportunity to go up to Canada, I would do the same with John. But, um, yeah, you know, that, that's, I think, I think one of the reasons why uh, Tony so uh, insisted so strongly that he, he wanted to, to be on the podcast was because he is very passionate about the same things that John and I are passionate about, about worship, about uh, biblical yep. teaching about families, about all those things that are important, and um, and we are more than glad to have you on, Tony. Well, it's been a it's been an interesting experience, to <laughs> say the least. Uh, I'm not sure about the injuries. I think I may have whiplash, but uh, other than that, other than that, it's been a it's been a real pleasure and a joy to be with you guys. And I think that. Uh, as I've said to you already, that this is a unique podcast, to say the least. Um, and I think that some places that others may not be able to touch, and I think that's where, you know, God's got you guys, you know, here for a reason, and there's 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 actually people listening, and that's one of the things that I've learned from my podcast is there, you know, when you get a private message from somebody that says, hey, you you know, you really helped me with, you know, something, uh, you go, that's what this is all about. You know, it's what it's all about. So fantastic. That's awesome. Thanks, John. Thank you you. want to head, you want to, uh, wrap us up, John? All right. <laughs> well, that's it for ADD masterminds for today. I'm John. I'm Jeff. And I was Tony. <laughs> The author formerly known as Tony. <laughs> Tony has now left the building. Now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time. And uh, thanks for listening.
We got like a three-person intro to do now, right? So do you want to do that? Like, uh, I'm Jeff, I'm John, and like, and we have a special guest, Pulitzer Prize winning author, and no? (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome if it was true, but... (laughs) (laughs) Tony, do you want to say a word from our sponsor, Acme Lasers? Sure, I would love to do that. Go for it. I what, just just say a word from our sponsors. Yeah, anything you want. Okay, now now a word from our sponsors, Acme Lasers. You know they are the greatest. Absolutely, that's what Acme means in Greek. I think. <laughs> <laughs> they right. now do Acme laser eye surgery. Yeah, is that yeah LASIK laser? Acme LASIK surgery. LASIK. This gives me supervision because like lasers. Laserick. Laserick. Laser. Laser. Yeah. Laser. That'd be like Cyclops. <laughs> have like laser beams in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do it Freaking tonight, laser beams cut out of my eyes. All right. I'll ask him.